We're starting a brand new series today that uh, we've titled um, Decisions That Matter the Most. And it's going to run for a few weeks here. And I want to really encourage you to take notes, to get engaged in uh, the message, you know, as much as possible. We're going to have you be a little interactive a little bit this morning. But uh, we are going to be talking about decisions that not only will affect your life throughout your life, but decisions that will set the course for generations, uh, for your children, for people that you influence around you, for coworkers, for friends. And uh, so these decisions are the decisions that matter the most for your life. They're the most important. We're reading today out of uh, Joshua chapter 24. You can use your Bible app, the event uh, section that we always put up is there has the passage. We'll have it up here for those of you who are uh, in the building and uh, online. But uh, I encourage you to find it in your Bibles as well or on your apps and take notes and mark this out. I want to say again, you know, it's the second week of the uh, campus opening here. So grateful to see each one of you. It's just awesome to see your faces and, and have you uh, here this morning in person. It's just really very, very special. And uh, we were blessed through the worship time. God has opened our hearts, and that's what worship is all about, opening of our hearts for the Word of God to really seep in. So we're going to get into that. Beginning Joshua chapter 24 at verse 14. And I'm, when we get to the last line of this first paragraph, I'm going to ask you to read it aloud and loudly with me, okay? So we'll, I'll start first. Uh, now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him, in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served in the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which our, your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. Here's where you're going to read aloud and loudly with me, at home and here on the campus, all right? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all, all the way, and went uh, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. When I was about 20 years old, I was, uh, my dad was at this point serving with my uncle as uh, an associate pastor. After a long season of being a senior pastor and leading several congregations, my dad was now serving with my uncle in a church in Odessa, Texas as an associate pastor. And they had asked me to come and, and to uh, lead a revival. And I came down a little early to spend some time with my dad. And, one of the things my dad did was took me back to the church where he first accepted Christ 
as a savior and made Jesus the Lord and the leader of his life at the age of 19 years old. I know a little bit about my dad and it was my, uh, his, his story uh, growing up and kind of what his environment was. I'll share a little bit of that with you today. But actually it was my aunt, his sister, who, was, uh, who came to Christ first. She was only 14 years old when she began to tell her brothers and her mom about Jesus Christ and the life change that had come when she made a decision to make him the Lord and the leader of her life. And she influenced my dad, who was at this point, you know, spending uh, time in bars. He was a golden glove boxer. He was uh, engaged in, in, in a completely different style and kind of life. But she encouraged him to come, and he came, and in uh, successive Sundays, found uh, Jesus Christ, made him the Lord and the leader of his life. But my dad's father was an ill-tempered man who was an alcoholic. He beat his wife. He drank too much. And his father left his mother when she was just eight months pregnant with my dad. He set a course for them that was so destructive. The decisions that he made um, as, as a father set his children his family on a course for destruction. But the decision that my dad made in that small church in Grand View Parkway in Odessa, Texas, completely changed the trajectory of his life. It's a decision that I want to talk about with you today, and it's the first one and the most important one probably that we will talk about, and that is the lordship decision. The lordship decision. If I were... I. My roots are back to Scottish, Irish. If I were back in Scotland in the 1500s, we would be asking one another, who's the laird of your land? <laughs> who's the Lord over your land? Who's the Lord over your homestead? And this is a question that we need to answer early. A decision that many people, I think, look to as a religious kind of a decision and something that is unimportant. But I believe that single decision that my dad made in that church on Grandview Parkway when he was 19 years old set the trajectory for my life, my brother, my sister, for our family. It totally turned things around in just a moment of time. My dad was heading in a direction where uh, we, we, we might have had a life very similar to what my dad's upbringing was a violent man as the husband and the head of the household, a person who drank, a person who was unfaithful. But my dad's decision there in, in, on that, in that small church to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of his life is the reason today I'm standing in the ministry. It's the reason today that I have a home that is happy, that is moving in a direction that is positive. It's a reason that we have a community together and love one another is because my dad made a decision when he was 19 years old that set the trajectory and made it possible for us to have a different life than my dad was growing up with. And that is what this series is really all about for the next several weeks. I want to talk to you about the most important decisions that you will make that will influence your life and the lives of those around you. 
There are daily decisions that we make, and many of them are bigger than we actually realize, but often they're just small decisions. What will I eat today? Um, you know, and, and just little decisions that we're making along the way. Will I make the bed or will I just leave it unmade or, you know, and all the way to larger decisions that will really affect our lives and affect our day. My grandfather gave little thought to a decision to go to the bar that day when he also flirted with a young girl there and then made a decision to spend a lot more time at that bar and flirt a lot more with that young lady. My grandfather made a decision that affected his family. He made a decision to abandon his family. I have told this story uh, um, in our family. Our kids know this, but I don't know that I've shared it a lot publicly. But my recanting the story back to me of what happened when my grandfather drove up with his new wife and gathered the last of his things out of the house and was driving off to leave my grandmother and her, her three children, three children that they had at home. And as the story goes, um, it would, my dad would have been the third one in that group, and as the story goes that um, he... Uh, was she was eight months pregnant with with my dad, and she he was telling us that you know the recanting of the story from his family that she ran out, fell over on the car as he is pulling out of the driveway to drive away, and literally is rolling in the street as the car drives away and leaves her skint knees, elbows alone to raise her family and pregnant. It made it difficult for my grandmother to bond with my dad as a young mother because she, he was a reminder of what she had lost. My dad wasn't named when he was born for several weeks and a neighbor girl who would come over and take care of, of uh, my dad and help my grandmother She's the one that named him. She gave him his name. Decisions that we make that go on and to affect the trajectory of everyone around us. And my grandfather had made a decision that set his sons on a, a horrible course, a horrible pathway. The decision to, to walk away from his family would shape their lives and, and set them up to live destructive lives, unfaithful lives, angry lives, me-first lives. He had set the pattern, had set the mold, and they, they need only to understand that they are first. Just, me, just decide what you want in life and, and go get it. It doesn't matter what it costs anybody else around you. And into that kind of experience, Joshua was speaking on the day that that. Israel is standing in front of, of, of the Jordan River to cross over into the promised land that God has. And Joshua stands up among the people and he says, Look, choose today for yourselves whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your fathers served or, or whether the gods on the other side of the river, the gods of the Amorites whose, whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve 
the Lord. Decision number one, Joshua said, is, is how are you going to build your home? What is your, what is your life perspective? Who's going to be the Lord of your house? What will your home be founded on? And Joshua wanted it to be clear to them early on that I am not crossing over Jordan with people at my back who are making uh, decisions for something other than the God that we serve who's given us this promised land. You make a decision right now, and if you choose not to be a part of this, you stay over here. You build your homes here. You worship with the Amorites. You go back to Egypt if you want, if you believe in those gods. But if you're crossing this river, and you're going to be at my back, you're going to choose today who you're going to serve. That word in the Greek is interesting, okias, uh, which is, means house or a dwelling. But it goes further beyond that throughout the, the New Testament. That word is, is used as, uh, for the word house, that we would understand it to be. Uh, the, the, it's used for material building. It's used as a household or a family that's gathered together. But it's also used as, as the word that was used for nation. In other words, in what Joshua was saying here, he was not speaking just of your immediate family. He was saying, you make a decision that's going to set the trajectory of the future generations. And I want you to make that decision right now. Because I am not crossing over this river with people who haven't made that decision. Or are thinking that, well, they're going to check things out and try things out and see what's best. And we'll make that decision later. If you're crossing with me... And, and you have your sword and your shield and you're ready to do battle against the enemies that come against this, that the land that God has promised to give us, then you are going to make that decision right here. And we're going to know the difference. Yeah. And God is calling us to a season as a church to anchor this decision and settle it for good. Yeah. Yeah. And here is a decision that you can make actively or a decision you can make passively. If you decide not to make this decision, you make this decision. Whatever is in front of you, whatever your passion is, whatever your drive is, becomes your Lord, becomes the leader, becomes the direction of your household and your home. So you cannot uh, say, hey, I'll make this decision later. If you say that, you've made a decision. And something other than God will be Lord in your life. Some people mistakenly think that making this decision will allow, uh, you know, withholding making this decision is going to allow some kind of freedom. I'm going to let my children make up their own mind. You know, I don't want to force religion down their throat. I don't want them to be, you know, made to feel like they have to go to church or they have to be a, a Christian or whatever. I just want them to find their own way. They're, guess they're going to find the wrong way. All of us, left our own devices, are going to choose wrong over right. It's in our sinful nature to, to pursue that and to go after that. But he's calling us to make a choice and a decision that is going to be life-changing for generations. Joshua wants the people to understand clearly that, that this is a, a choice that, that they need to make that will determine the kind of home that they're going to build. 
Whether He says, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in which you, your land dwells now. Listen, that's significant because to them, it brought back memories of what those gods were all about. And, and if they were going to live in accordance with those kind of things, there were certain things they were going to be okay with. They were going to be okay with the sacrifice of children. They were going to be, they were going to be okay with, uh, with uh, having more than one wife and, and having unfaithful husbands. They were going to be okay uh, with, with so many things if they made a decision for the gods of the Amorites or the gods back in Egypt. He said, you need to understand. You need to know that when you make that decision or you refuse to make that decision, you're going to begin to pursue the things that you want rather than the things that God wants for your life and what he created you to be. The gods of Egypt, the gods of foreign nations, they had, had met on their journey uh, to the promised land, the, the Amorites, uh, gods that had been raised up, and, and, and they, had, they had the choice to make a decision for the God who had delivered them out of all of that, or they could go back to those things. At this point, some of them had probably started intermarrying with, with various tribes and, and people that they were running into. So there was more about that influence. It was, it was a harder decision at this point because my wife is Amorite. She worships uh, certain gods and, and believes in certain things. And, and I'm, I'm, this, you know, I'm, I'm being raised up this way and, and you know, it's, it's dividing our home. And so we're not sure you know, whether we're going to have to, uh, how we're, we're going to raise our children. Hello? Joshua says, you settle that right now. You settle that right now. You turn to your spouse and you say, as for me and my... This is not a plaque I want to see hanging on your wall. This is action I want to see happening in your life. I want people to know that you have chosen God, not because they see the cross on your door, but because they see the cross over your heart. Amen. They see in your actions and your attitudes that you and your household have chosen God and are living for Him. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Your worldview is going to shape your home for generations. It's going to shape your decision making. It will shape everything that goes on, and it's shaping your children. They are making decisions and choices based on what they see is Lord in your life. And as we read further, the people answered him and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way, that we went out and uh, among all the people through whom we passed, and the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord our God. You're going to determine with this decision, you're going to determine who gets the credit for your life, who gets the blame for your life, what your family will value going forward. I was reading one of my seminary professor's uh, books again, just kind of reading through it this past week, and I actually 
took this excerpt and added it into the message today because it so struck me. Dr. A.J. Swoboda wrote in his book, Dusty Ones, the most effective pulpits aren't sturdy, made of sturdy wood. They are broken people. What this suggests is that preaching Jesus Christ must be done through the actual life, story, struggles, wanderings, and personality of the preacher who proclaims him. When we make this lordship decision, we are the preacher of our household. Forget whatever your pastor says and whatever is going on in your church. You're preaching to them every single day with your actions. You're preaching a message. You're telling them how life is lived. And A.J. Soboda is just saying that's why God wants to use broken people to send his message. Rather than sturdy pulpits and and, uh, great orators, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to happen through broken people who will demonstrate that God can piece us all together. Often Michelle and I would have to go uh, have a family get together and tell our family we're not perfect parents. We're not, we, haven't, we haven't been right in everything that we've said. We're broken people. We came from broken homes, broken situations, broken circumstances. Sin broke all of us. But we're going to do our best to make Jesus Lord and leader of our lives. And as for our household, we will serve the Lord with all of our heart. There are no perfect people. There are only broken ones. Faith is a gift, not a do-it-yourself project. It's a gift from God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord is not meant to just hang in a plaque in your household. It's meant to be lived out. It's a defining decision, a decision that shapes all other decisions, a defining decision. People, we, we will make, we let our family know early on that every decision we will make as a household, big and small, will be done through the lens of understanding the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives. That's how we will make decisions. Yeah. It's through the lordship uh, issue. He's lord of our lives. Is this pleasing to God? Is this pleasing to Jesus? Is this something God would have us do? Through that lens is how we will make our decisions. You come and ask us if you can if you can go to a party with your friends. You come you come and ask us if you can date so and so. You need to understand that we are making these decisions through the lens of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not just something we just sat down and thought about. I don't know. You know, we're just what's a good way we could punish our kids? Well, let's just not let them wear any makeup, or let's just tell them that you know they can't get their hair cut, or let's just let's just tell them that you know uh, they they can't date, or you know how could we just make it really difficult on them. Never. All decisions were made through the lens of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The reason we're not going to buy you that skirt is because we practice modesty to honor God. The reason we're not going to let you stay out after curfew is because we honor God in all that we do. And we are not going to subject ourselves to situations where temptation can overcome us and win out. So it's a defining decision, but it's also a daily decision. The Bible tells us that Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, said, you know, I die daily. Daily I make Jesus the Lord and the leader of my life. 
It wasn't just a once and for all. I, I decided that Jesus would be the Lord and the leader of my life, and then I never have any problems the rest of the time. I, every day there are challenges to that leadership in my life. There are challenges that arise. Who am I going to listen to every single day? Something new will arise up. We've seen it in, in America in recent days, this, these, these great issues that have arisen up, and, and we have to make a decision during the pandemic. Who will be the Lord and the leader of my life? We have, to make a, we have to make a decision during times that we are being called to rally around a particular divisive kind of a situation. What, what group are we going to stand with or what camp are we going to stand with? And every single day, in big and small ways, we have to make a decision that Jesus is going to guide and lead our lives. He's going to be the Lord over our lives. We recognize that we are at war with, with, our, with our, ourselves, the lust of our flesh, the things that we want for us. We're at war with a real enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. We cannot win this war on our own, but we can surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the Lord of the land will come forth and will win the battle on our behalf. It's also a generational decision. It shapes our spouses. It shapes our children, the way we live among humanity. It'll shape our children's children. That decision that my dad made at 19 years of age, a mom made a decision for Jesus Christ as well, has set the trajectory for not only for our family, but for our children. They have a better life because my dad found his way down to Grandview Parkway Church and made Jesus the Lord of his life. They have a chance. They have hope. He came out of, of, of such poverty. At the age of seven years old, he's out selling newspapers at, at the bus station to people that come on and off. My dad would tell me about celebrities that he had met during that season when he was selling newspapers. But he was selling those newspapers not to, to get money in his pocket so he could buy candy or something that he wanted, but he took every dime home and gave it to his mother so they could buy food and survive. And God turned our situation around. From a life like that to a better life that my dad handed off to me and a better life than I receive from my dad, I get to hand off to my children. For generations, it's changed and transformed us because we made Jesus the Lord and the leader of our lives. Thielich, a well-known theologian, and he's author of a little exercise for young theologians. He wrote this, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. A theology known but not lived as the theology of demons. A theology known, but not lived as the theology of demons. Why would he say that? James clarifies it for us in, in, in ways that we need to understand. He asked the question, do you believe in God? I'm sure, you know, rhetorical question, the people he was speaking to, but I'm sure a bunch of hands went up. Oh, I believe in God. And he said, you're in good company. The demons believe in God too. You're in very good company. What's going to separate you from the demons? The life you live. 
the life you're living on the knowledge you have from God? Are you living the scriptures? Not are you reading them, do you know them? The, the devil knows the Bible better than you. He was quoting scripture to Jesus in the temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, go and read it. He's quoting scripture. Can you quote some of those scripture passages? The devil can. Jesus answered him in context with the real scripture. <laughs> A theology known but not lived is the theology of demons. We are here today at a road of decision. What we do is going to have lasting legacy for us all. Upon what foundation will you build your house? Joshua wanted to know from those people, who will you serve? I want to tell you, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's going to set the trajectory for us as leaders over the nation right now and for my household for generations. But I'm interested in knowing before I put you on my back and we cross this river to fight, who have you chosen? Because if you made a decision for other gods, it's okay, part company right now and go back and serve other gods. But if you're gonna serve the Lord, take up arms. We're gonna take the land that God has set before us. There's a famous storyteller who would tell a parable about a great lobby uh, that fed into two auditoriums. And there were uh, two doors that led to the different auditoriums. And one of the doors, there hung a sign in the auditorium that, that was marked heaven. And over this other door, it said lecture about heaven. And as he began to unfold the parable and tell the story, the people are deciding in the lobby which door they're going to go through. And finally, as a group, they all decide that they're going to go through the door that's marked Lecture About Heaven. Some people would rather hear a lecture about godly living than to practice it in their own lives. Some people would rather have a TED Talk than live out what God talks about. Joshua called them out. And I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you out today. As if Joshua was standing here right now saying the same thing to you as Joshua was saying to the children of Israel. Choose today who you will serve. Yeah. Amen. So me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord but this is the decision that will shape the trajectory for generations. You make this decision and start living this out, and you're going to be leaving a poverty mindset. You're going to be, you're going to be leaving um, this, this kind of uh, racial inequity kind of mindset. You're going, to, you're going to be leaving all of this in the dust, and you're going to be pursuing a pathway that is enriching and it's for the best of your family, but it's also for the best of mankind. You're gonna be making decisions on a day-by-day -day basis that are, are God decisions that make room for him to come and dwell among his people. Among his people. We're listening to a clip this morning by a fellow pastor, a friend uh, that's in Phoenix. He and his wife had 
gone downtown to some of the th stuff that was going on there in the local city and ministering there as best they could with, with whoever would go with them. They brought water bottles. They were, they were you, know, you can imagine in Phoenix right now, about 115 degrees in the heat. When the sun goes down, it irradiates back on you. <laughs> All night long, the temperatures never drop often below 100 because the concrete and the streets and the walls give it all back. They soak it up during the day, and at night they give it all back. And there were people down there uh, protesting and walking in the city, and, and uh, Martel and his wife are, are down there to love people and to hug them and to embrace them and to tell them there's hope in the name of Jesus Christ. That peaceful demonstration is welcome, but there's no... There's no value in destroying the city. There's no value in hurting one another. But there's huge value in us lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. I'm calling now to those that are online and those that are present in the room today to make a choice and a decision if you haven't already done that. It's a decision that we will make today for generations. It's going to shape our lives. You may say, well, I'm, I'm single, I don't, I don't have a family. I can tell you right now that there are many people that are influenced by you and the decisions that you're making. I invite our worship team to come back and get ready. The decisions that you make in life that are most important begin with this decision. A decision of who is going to be Lord of your land, who's going to be Lord of your house, who's going to lead the way you think and the way you see. It, it, it's going to be about your worldview. So when you go on uh, social media and you begin to express your opinion, it's all founded in, in what your worldview is. Who is the Lord of your house? You're telling everybody who's Lord of your house. When you get on social media and start expressing your opinions, this is how we make decisions is by our worldview, and my worldview is shaped by the Lord of my land, who's the Lord over my household. Will you stand with me this morning? And at home, for those of you who are watching on our online church, we, we welcome you to participate, to embrace Jesus, to make him the Lord and the leader of your life. I want to invite you to do something with me. If, you, if, this is, if this is a day of decision for you, this is a day of decision for you, a big, big choice, and you need to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life. A few categories you could be in. You could be in a category where you made that decision at one point, but you haven't really been living it. And all kinds of things have gotten in the way. And now as you reflect back in light of the, how the Holy Spirit is kind of illuminating you in this moment, you recognize that you have not always been living out the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. You've made decisions for me too often. What I want, what I think, you know, and it's all been me focused as my grandfather was making those decisions to set his sons up to, for destructive pathways. And he said, man, I, I, one time I made that decision, but I really haven't been living it out. And then the other one would be those who've said, you know, I've never really made that decision. I go to church. I like the worship. I like things that are going on. But I've never really made the decision of, of Jesus being the Lord and the leader over my life. I kind of just pushed it off a little bit. Said, you know, I'm going to do that one day. Um, if you go to Europe, they, you know, 
people there, common in their language would be that church is for old people. They'll tell you flat out, you know, you, you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you're too young to be thinking about church and about religion and things like that. You, you know, wait till you get 60, 70, 80, you're kind of crippled, you're barely walking along, get in church, make everything right, go to heaven. <laughs> and America is heading that way too. We're heading that way because all of the, what we have in the way of church came from Europe, came over here. And, and what we understand, the mighty revivalist that started the great works that we are, are enjoying today across America, John Wesley and so many others from England. That's, that was our history and that looks like our future. If we don't make a decision to choose Jesus to be Lord and leader of our lives, we will shape our nation with this one decision, making Jesus the Lord and the leader of our lives. So if you are in one of those two categories, you are either at a place where you, you once made him Lord and leader, you haven't really strayed a whole lot, but you can see you're not really allowing him to rule every day in your life. Then we're, I'm gonna pray with you in a moment. We're gonna recommit ourselves to the Lord and we're gonna make a commitment that this is not an intellectual gospel only, it is a gospel that we're gonna live out. The pages of these, these scriptures, we're gonna live out. Jesus simplified it for us, so we're gonna love him first with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we're gonna love our neighbors as ourselves. And thereby, we're gonna transform the world. And for those of you who've never made that decision and God's tugging on your heart today and saying, you're not promised everything. You have this breath and that's the promise. We're not promised the future. We don't know what it will look like. But a dear friend, uh, many, many years ago, um, a friend of uh, mine and also a sister to a, 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 her brother and I were real close as well. She's working at Burger King, 17 years old, driving home, and um, it inspired a message I preached later. They were in a horrible accident, and her life was taken. And we walked through this tragedy with her family. There was, it was so sad. I mean, there was a, her thumbprint, a lipstick print on the mirror before she left that morning. She put her thumb there and then kissed the mirror and her mom had cordoned that off for years. Wouldn't let anybody wipe that mirror down or touch it. Such grief stricken. Sherry was almost home before this accident. There are gonna be some people that were almost home eternally but didn't make the decision in, 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 in situations like this. So many uh, situations like this, but then there was a last opportunity to make a decision. Sherry was three blocks, I think, from her home when this accident took place. Almost home, almost safe, almost in her mother's arms and her father's arms, almost. And there are people who will be almost home eternally. They set through situations like this. They cried tears. They felt the move of God, but they did not make the decision to make him the Lord and the leader of their life. This is your time right now. Let's bow our heads together. Repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and leader of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to lead my life going forward. 
I give all of me to you. In Jesus' name, amen.